Is the province doing a good enough job with its recently revamped 511 service, the one that monitors highway conditions and closures? Because when we got here this morning, there were a whole bunch of highways that were closed in southern Manitoba after some surprise weather last night. And then suddenly they were all open and there was confusion abound for many Manitobans as to whether or not they should get out and hit the road. Following up on Shopify's promise to reduce meetings, how did it go? What do they think? For I Love to Read Month, we spoke with local singer extraordinaire Susan Aglokark. And with Bruce Springsteen finally coming to Winnipeg, that's a bucket list item for many, no doubt. What is a bucket list item you have achieved? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Wednesday, February 15th podcast for The Start. So not quite as breezy this morning, but yesterday it sounded downright apocalyptic outside my apartment. I think the windows were shaking. I thought the building was going to come down, and I looked outside and thought, I can't really see anything, so I'm just going to shut these blinds again and uh, go to bed. <laughs> it snuck up on me. I, I don't know about you guys, but I was doing some house cleaning, and I had gone and picked up the kids, and we're getting ready for some company coming and I look out the window, and I'm like, what? Like, you know, it just went from not a great afternoon to a really not great afternoon. And then my husband came home and said, the roads are terrible. Like, we might not get to hockey practice. We not, might not be able to do all these things. And I thought, no. And then the highway started shutting down. It really, I know we talked about wind yesterday, but it snuck up on me, Greg. It snuck up on me as well. I was headed to curling practice out in East St. Paul. So didn't have a tremendously far distance to cover. But uh, I got a phone call halfway there. I hope you're not on your way to curling because we're going to pull the plug. One of our team members lives out of town and we thought that maybe they should uh, get home as soon as possible. So we pulled the plug and it was probably the right decision because I ended up driving all the way to Birds Hill to turn around off of 59 to get back into the city. And uh, the visibility was very limited. So that's still not necessarily a wide open space. So I can only imagine what it was like in wide open spaces, which has led to or did lead to closures of uh, some very major highways last night. Where are we at this morning, McGarry? Looking at the uh, highways that are currently closed. Hang on one second here. I had it. Uh, So we had some highways reopen. Last night, we had Highway 1 from the Winnipeg City limits to Highway 12. That reopened. 23, St. Molo to Morris. Uh, 205 from Highway 200 to Highway 12. Uh, Highway 210 from Landmark to Highway 59. And then Highway 311 from Highway 200 to Bloom North. But then uh, still a whole whole bunch of uh, highway closures that remain this morning. And we're just awaiting some details uh, as far as cancellations go And I know often you're sort of the barometer, Loren, because you get the notification and (laughs) I should know this by now. Your kids are in what school division? Seine River School Division. So that's just, uh, you know, like you'd be your Lorette, your Seine Adolph kind of area on the just around the cusp of the city. And then, of course, just uh, east of us is Hanover School Division. And so, yeah, I'm the barometer, too, because when it's like it was last night, the kids have that tingly feeling, (laughs) you know, like... Think we're gonna have a snow day tomorrow? I always say no. 
Well, right now we've got Highway 75. According to Manitoba511.ca, we've got 75 closed from the perimeter to the U.S. border. Highway 23 is closed from Morris uh, all the way to Highway 34. Highway 14 is closed. Highway 3 is closed uh, from uh, from 14 to the border. A whole myriad of uh, highways closed in uh, southern Manitoba, including Highway 3 from Oak Bluff all the way to the Winkler Morden area as well, Brett. So we will keep an eye on any cancellations that come in, any school closures, and let you know throughout the morning uh, what is happening there. Also, today we have lots to talk about for the Winnipeg Jets. Pretty wacky game yesterday. Yeah, they, they you know they played super well in the in the opening period, uh, dominated uh, despite the fact that Seattle having a couple of power plays, Jets uh, killed those off. They jumped out to a one nothing lead in the second period, then. Seattle got a goal to tie it up, and then they got a really strange bounce to to go ahead. But uh, ultimately, the Jets come out on top in a shootout. So uh, a a good night out if you were celebrating Valentine's Day at Canada Life Centre. John Shannon will join us later on this morning. We'll talk about the Jets and their ability to win an extra time and uh, what that tells us about the team. And we'll we'll also talk a a little bit uh, about uh, one of the other teams, the team that they're chasing in the Central. Last night, they lost their 11th game in overtime or a shootout. Out the Jets have exactly one overtime loss this year. What's the deal with that? So we've got the sounds of the game uh, coming up this morning. We have also our Wednesday Jets commentary from Paul Edmonds. That will be at 7.55. And, of course, we have stuff to give away. We have tickets to give away to see the Winnipeg Jets versus Colorado on February 24th and tickets to see the Chicks September 12th, Canada Life Centre. We just announced that yesterday morning. That was one big concert announcement. Then, of course, the other big concert announcement that sort of snuck up on us, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band coming in November so that's going to inspire a conversation at 6.45 on a bucket list item you have achieved. But regardless of whether or not you're a Springsteen fan, and I'll just say it, I don't care. Like it, I like his music just fine, but, but you can still sort of recognize the significance of him finally coming here when that sort of sunk in yesterday. Like, yeah, I guess he's never been here. So it's got to be a bucket list item for a lot of Manitobans, Greg. Yeah, sort of a landmark concert, landmark event, if you like. Uh, I can remember when David Bowie came came to uh, David Bowie came to Winnipeg in 1983. That was sort of the that was the first concert I think that broke the twenty dollar barrier in terms of a ticket price and the first scandalous it was scan twenty three fifty if 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 I remember exactly. And I can remember, you know, multiple days to build that stage at Winnipeg Stadium. So that was sort of one of those land. Oh boy, uh, we're sort of on the we're on the map in terms of uh, bigger concerts. The Rolling Stones did a couple of big concerts at uh, Winnipeg Stadium. Now to get Bruce Springsteen to come and to play here. After all these years, my brother Kevin says, good job, Donnelly. It's 35 years too late in my mind, but good job getting him finally. But that's tongue in cheek. Uh, Yeah, it's just really one of those things where you go, okay, Winnipeg's making its mark again. And uh, kudos to Kevin Donnelly and True North, Laurent. And timely, too. You know, he said yesterday the idea that, okay, it's been a long time coming, but this is the kind of concert that people travel to, right? They come from near and far because if you can't get it in your city and you know, it doesn't go everywhere, 
people will come to Winnipeg. So it's great for hotels. It's great for tourism. And I have to say, um, ask Jeff Braun about all the laundry list of things he's going to go through over the next six days, waiting to see if he can get these tickets. Because I thought he'd be excited when I saw him yesterday. He's a huge Springsteen fan. And he looked like he was going to be sick to his stomach because he'd already considered, well, I have, I've, you know, you have to go through the process of getting on their verified list. Like, all I can do now, Loran, I'm on the list. So he's on the list. Then he gets, he's hoping for an email Tuesday night. That means he's going to get a crack at the tickets Wednesday morning. And then once he gets the crack at the tickets, he hopes to get the tickets. And I thought, well, the consternation will end there. I said, well, we'll all work to get you tickets. You know, I'm on the list. Poitras is on the list. He's like, yeah, but then I got to consider what will the roads be like on concert day? Will I get to the <laughs> rink on time? And then I was like, is this where the tiger comes in? Like, are you worried the tiger? Tiger's going to escape the zoo and take you down before you get to see the boss. Like it was, I was like, Jeff, relax. He's like, no relaxing for six more days. And so I thought, here we go. Uh-huh. It is. It was a thing. Will it I be healthy? to behold. Will I be healthy before yes. the concert? Will I get, I get sick, sick before the concert? Before the concert? <laughs> Yes, it was it was it was interesting, Greg. <laughs> well, they, will the province reintroduce mandates right, on November first? He is a worried ball of anxiety. He right said it now. was easier when Springsteen just didn't come to Winnipeg, right? Because he had nothing to stress about. Now he's just stressed for a week. Careful That's- what you wish for, because you just might get it. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we want to shine a light on something important that is coming up in just a couple of weeks' time. In our next segment, we'll tell you how you can win tickets to see the Chicks coming to Winnipeg September 12th. But yesterday's question of the day at cjob.com, as CFL free agency begins, what do you think of where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roster is at? 51% say, I'm thrilled, go blue! 33% say they're mostly okay, and uh, 17% say something's missing. Mm. You can still cast your vote at cjob.com, but Greg, day one, what do you think? Well, they made their big splash. They went out and they got uh, one of the biggest playmakers in the Canadian Football League, a player they recruited, brought to Winnipeg, nurtured, grew, and saw him go to Edmonton prior to last season in free agency. Kenny Lawler says the money's nice, but I want to come back to Winnipeg because I think I can win here. So that's fantastic. I know some people are concerned maybe about the defensive line, maybe defensive backfield and the kicking position. But the Blue Bombers have proven to be able to go out and find rock solid players when they need them. I'll send you back to 2019 after their first Grey Cup. In their in their back to back, Marcus Sales went to BC. Winston Rose went to the NFL, and all the Blue Bombers did was go out and get Dietrich Nichols, who's a CFL All Star, and D. Alford, who went on to the NFL to play and become a starter for the Atlanta Falcons. So I think they'll be okay in terms of filling those holes with uh, players that have uh, yet to come on the radar of the average uh, CFL or Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. It's, I, I was sitting watching social media yesterday, Loren, and the video of the, that they put up of Lawler with a simple word saying, welcome home, uh, just gave me chills and goosebumps. I'm really excited for this season. And I'm really excited to think about the spring. And so how many days until we get to training camp? Are we talking late May? Uh, yeah, May, May long weekend mid, mid, or mid, maybe mid, mid-May this mid-May? year. Yeah, I think it's before the It's all the coming in weekend. really fast. Like, I, you know, it's, it's the time of year where you've gone from like, oh, gosh, still so much winter left to like... I can, I, that's another sign of spring. Forget the woodchuck or whatever that creature is. It's when you start talking football. <laughs> and you can feel free to react at 204-780-6868. And again, cast your vote on our question of the Ooh. day at cjob.com. May 10th. 
for rookies, by the way, just to let you know. Thank you, Mr. Mackling. Now we want to put something on your radar that is coming up in a couple of weeks regarding an important day and an important lead-up event. World Lymphedema Day is on March 6th. Amanda Sobey is the president of the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba and joins us now on The Start. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, everybody. I'm a huge fan of your social media, and you've become, as Brett mentioned earlier, such a good friend of 680CJOB and our, our program in particular. Quick refresher, if you would, for our listeners. What is lymphedema? Lymphedema is a blockage in your lymphatic system. Um, most people don't know what a lymphatic system is, but it's basically your plumbing system to remove all of the waste that your body creates. And if you have a blockage, it will typically show up as swelling, and this can happen anywhere in your body, head, neck, face, genitals, arms, legs, and is often misdiagnosed as obesity and very underrecognized. You've been talking to us for years to raise awareness, Amanda, and you talked about the idea that it's unrecognized. And so there's one part of the advocacy is to get people to understand what's going on, but also to get dollars towards research and improve treatment. How, how far have we come or perhaps how far haven't we come on that front with the work you're seeing out in the field to, to help people? Well, unfortunately, COVID kind of took the front seat um, for a lot of health issues, which obviously is very important. But I think it's an awareness factor on education that really needs to be implemented. Um, The average medical student really only gets about 15 minutes to three hours of training on the lymphatic system in school. So starting at the ground level, education standards are really not at par where we need to educate our doctors. So if you are a patient and you're going into the doctor's office and they don't know what this condition is, you're not really going to get the diagnosis or the recommendation or support. Secondly, um, the lymphatic system kind of gets thrown in with the vascular system. So just because you go see a vascular specialist, they might not understand the full working of the lymphatic system. So again, there's another loophole where you can kind of get misdirected or misdiagnosed or not even the tools that you need because even the doctors aren't being equipped. So we have a lot of work to do and, uh, you know, making awareness events like the ones that are coming up and offering symposiums for education and teaching people what this condition is all about is, is hopefully where we gain a lot of traction getting the public support, getting people involved, um, and also, obviously, politics and government and politicians. So, Amanda, if let, let's say somebody has lymphedema, but they, they don't know what's happening in their body, and they go to the doctor and they don't get any straight answers, like, how does one advocate for themselves on this front? Very good question. So let's start with the basics. So lymphedema can present unilaterally, meaning in an arm or a limb or in a groin or in your abdomen, um, or it can present bilaterally. So in two legs, two arms, or it can be total body. So if you're feeling a tingling sensation, numbingness, heaviness, um, things just don't feel quite normal, um, and you don't get the diagnosis that you are hoping for, or you still feel like something's wrong, keep pushing. Keep trying to find different doctors. There are doctors in Manitoba that are aware of this condition, but they're kind of, you know, a little gem in, in, a, in the haystack, as you would say. So again, if you feel that you're not getting the diagnosis, you do have to become that person to learn about your body, advocate the best that you can, and don't just take no for an answer. And don't just take, I guess, a common prescription for lymphedema is diuretics. 
Um, we really want to have healthy conversations to treat our patients. And again, you can come to the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba uh, and to check out our website and learn more information about the signs and the symptoms. And we'll happily point you in the right direction. Yeah, finding that practitioner who's familiar with with whatever you might be dealing with is often a challenge. So talk about World Lymphedema Day, March 6th, but you're holding a symposium March 3rd. Who's involved in that and, and what's happening at that symposium? What's the goal? Um, we're really excited about the symposium on Friday, the March 3rd. Um, we've conglomerated all of our local, um, I guess, local heroes, as you would say, our local professionals to come and to talk and present and just to connect the community, which is the name of the symposium. So connecting the community is our passion. Linking up therapists with doctors and surgeons and patients and everybody above, you know, getting one kind of a voice to raise everybody up because even though the patients don't necessarily get the support, neither do the therapists or the doctors or the surgeons. So we're really trying to um, make a force and create everybody to come together so that we can unify this condition and then obviously make bigger steps going forward in the future. So you can check us out on lymphmanitoba.ca to register for the symposium. We'd love to see you there. We have an in-person and an online option available. So lots of ways to come and join us. And then on March the 3rd, it is a global a day of recognition. The World Health Organization has dedicated March the 6th to World Lymphedema Day, where we are organizing a walk from the Johnson Terminal at the Forks starting at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, March the 6th. And we are going to walk to the legislative building, see the legislative building light up in teal because that is our national color, and then we will walk back Hot chocolate should be had. It's going to be a wonderful event. Lots of awareness. Lots of people showing up. And again, we would love to see you there to show your support. Amanda Sobe, president of the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba. Pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great day. Yesterday, we announced that the Chicks are coming to Winnipeg September 12th, and we have tickets to give away for that in conjunction with the conversation we are about to have, inspired by another concert announcement. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street brand coming to Winnipeg in November, finally coming to Winnipeg. And for a lot of Manitobans, that is going to be a bucket list item. So the question today is, what is a bucket list item you've achieved? Whether it's a trip you talked about taking forever and finally did it. Or maybe it is a band you've always wanted to see and finally got to see them. Or or perhaps it's something like a fitness milestone. I don't know. Tell us a story for a chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Jeff Braun, you're the Bruce Springsteen <laughs> super fan, so why don't we start with you? Well, mine was a, a Bruce Springsteen concert, but I think I've told that story before. I, my other one was, uh, an, I always wanted to go to an NFL game. I was a huge New York Giants fan. And uh, in 2010, a colleague of ours had uh, season tickets to the Vikings. Giants were going to be in Minneapolis. He said, JB, I'll, I'll sell you my tickets uh, face value if you want them. I'm, I don't want to drive to Minneapolis in December. And he had the right ideas, but me and a buddy uh, loaded up. We went down there. We drove through a freaking blizzard to get there. The Giants couldn't even get to Minneapolis the day before the game because the plane just said, no, we're not going to Minneapolis. We're going to take you guys to Kansas. And we got through the blizzard, got to the hotel. Everything was great. We had a view of the Metrodome through a hotel window. And I woke up in the morning and I looked out the window and I said, well, where did the Metrodome go? Because that was the night the weight of the snow collapsed the roof of the stadium, oh. Oh canceling God. the game. Oh, so no. I was 
was there, but I didn't quite get to the game. So I guess that's technically still on my bucket list. Made the trip, just didn't see the game. And you wonder why he's so stressed <laughs> out about what's going to happen in the lead up to the Springsteen concert. It's, this makes more sense now. Now I get why you think all the things could happen in the lead up to that concert. Okay. Oh, man. Cam Poitras, what about you? Uh, well, it had to have been my backpacking trip uh, through Europe. I mean, when I went to a bunch of places that I wanted to go, I made a list uh, of the places I wanted to go, and I, 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 I hit pretty much every single one. You can't, you can't go everywhere. Um, and I thought, like, and I, and I went when I was kind of later in life. I mean, I don't know if 26 is considered later in life to be able to do that, but a lot of people will head off when they're, like, 19 and 18, 20, 21 and stuff like that. So I was able to do it. Um, and, yeah, that was the best thing I've ever done in my entire life by far, uh, besides, of course, marrying my wife, if she's listening. Um, but that was, uh, <laughs> um, that was, that was like, a, it was a game changer. I, I came out of it a, a completely different person. I came out of my shell. Um, and I, I really credit that month I spent um, running around Europe is, it's like, I, like, it was more expensive than I thought it would be, but it, I, I never ever think about the cash or anything like that. It was worth every penny. I would have spent double. I would have spent triple to do it. Yeah, sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to spend, I'm here to enjoy yeah. myself. Exactly. YOLO. Or whatever. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> That was my exact mentality, YOLO. That's what I said. That was my, that was my slogan. Loren, what about you? No, it wasn't, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the one that came to mind this morning is that, uh, you know, I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan, and so in high school, I got a chance to see him with some girlfriends in high school. I think it was 1994, and, I, and, and my only thing I did not like about that concert is he didn't play my favorite song, which is Standing Outside the Fire. And I get it. You're not going to hear all your favorites when you go to a concert, but I, I was a massive fan, maintained my love of of his music for years and always said I'd go see him again. But then he decided he's retiring in 2000. And there had been, you know, a cheating scandal and he wanted to spend more time with family. And I thought, well, that's it. I'll never see him again. Of course, as so many stars do, they don't stay retired. He came out of retirement like 15 years later, I think 2014. And that year, my husband surprised me with tickets uh, to the Minneapolis show for our anniversary. And on the day of the concert... It's a Saturday. We're leaving to drive down Saturday morning for our Saturday night concert. Um, my husband discovers his passport has expired. And this is a I, – we didn't have any other ID to take across the show, and you couldn't just use your license and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, we'll try to cross with you, but I need you to understand I'm going. Like, I know this is an anniversary present, but I'm going to the show. So you'll have to figure out a way back home because I'm going on the way to Minneapolis, right? And I even had a friend on standby, like, if he can't cross the border, do you want to meet me? And like she's like, I am ready. Like I'm ready to rock. You just give me the call. Sure enough, they didn't even look at our passports when we crossed into the states. We get to the show. He plays this song. I'm like near tears. Lost my voice that night. He played like till 1:30 in the morning, and it was so much better than I remembered that uh, I'm thrilled and thankful that we got to do that. I saw him in Calgary at the Stampede the first time he played with a band live in 16 years at that point. And he came back and did the stampede for, the, I think it was the 100th anniversary. And there was a guy in front of me, and I agreed with him. And he kept saying, play Red Strokes! Play Red Strokes! <laughs> and he, he didn't. But that's probably one of my favorite Garth Brooks tunes. Ed Mackling, what about you? 
Oh gosh, I'm lucky to have uh, a lot of done a lot of stuff. I guess the you know U2 playing in Winnipeg and the NHL coming back to Winnipeg within nine days of each other was pretty special back in 2011. I had nothing to do with either things, but uh, going to see all the Major League Baseball parks that has always been a goal. My brother and I planned a trip in uh, 2001. We worked at the uh, Major League Baseball All Star Game week as volunteers. We went to the home run derby we got halfway through our journey and then 9-11 happened and we had to cut things short so now i'm doing it in piecemeal trying to get to all the major league baseball parks and uh it was a goal to do it all at once now i just have to do it in bits and pieces something to strive for it's just that's like you've got trips planned out for the rest of Time, perhaps. Yeah, well, I got, I've got got uh, eight left. Eight? Only? Oh, wow. A couple of cities I've got to go back to where they've built new stadiums since. But, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been the, that's been at the top of my bucket list since I was about 17. And Forte, do you got a quick one? Well, for me, well, number one, when I got, finally got to see ACDC when they came here. Oh, yeah. And that was back at the old stadium because I think they came back again since then and they played IG Field. But for me, the real joy was when I got to see Guns N' Roses. Because oh. I didn't think they were going to get back together. And when they finally did, it was like, gotta go. Not in your lifetime tour, that's what it was called. Well, I didn't think it was going to be in my lifetime. <laughs> but it was. It really, really was. <laughs> it really, really was. Titanic was the ship of dreams <laughs> and so is Guns N' Roses. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. What's a bucket list item you have achieved? One that you've completed, that you've ticked off the list? Loren, Leanne, with a wonderful story. Oh, this is incredible. So Leanne wanted to tell us about her bucket list item that happened uh, not so long ago. Leanne says this at 780-6868. I have cerebral palsy, which affects my lower body. It affects my balance. I walk on the outsides of my feet and have special shoes and leg braces. I train for months for a marathon. The day of, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I was three quarters of the way done and ready to give up when someone I barely knew saw me and started cheering for me. That gave me the energy I needed to finish. Following the marathon, I had horrible shin splints and could barely walk for a week, but I did it. Leanne, living with cerebral palsy, running a half marathon. That's incredible. Yeah, I don't even want to walk a half marathon. What do you say after a story like that? That is beyond inspirational, Leanne. That is something else. Congratulations. Standing ovation for you. What does Laura say? Laura says that uh, their bucket list is to go to every NFL stadium. We hit a jackpot, uh, flew to Chicago, saw the Cubs. The game went to 13 innings, drove to Detroit, saw Adele, and then off to Nashville to see the Vikings play the Titans. That was their best trip ever. We have been to nine NFL stadiums. This year it was Buffalo versus the Vikings. That would be fun to go to Buffalo. You know, the Kansas City has good tailgating, uh, but it's supposed to be even better in Buffalo. Yeah, the Buffalo, uh, the Bills Mafia, they uh, jump off their trucks and cars and stuff and smash uh, those uh, collapsible, those foldable uh, tables that you can get, you know, like a banquet table, the yeah. plastic ones. Yeah, that's uh, that's an activity pregame at they, Bills games. What they like? They're professional wrestlers. Uh, they think they are. <laughs> that's who they're oh, emulating. Man. But <laughs> that's yeah, that's one of the pregame festivities at Orchard Park at Bills games. Wow. 
Wow. Do you think watching ever- this now? This is odd. And they do throw each other on there. And this one I'm watching, they lit it on fire for some reason oh, and then yeah. threw someone on it. A little bit of uh, drama, a little bit of excitement. Oh, boy. Vince McMahon <laughs> has, has uh, infiltrated uh, far too many ma- minds over the years. That is scary stuff. I've never been to a, like a proper tailgating. I know that we now have uh, sort of a, a tailgate situation with the the bombers. Sure. And how would so how, how would that compare to like to an NFL Experience. Smaller scale, yeah. but, you know, uh, a lot of Blue Bomber fans go all out. They bring the barbecues, mm-hmm. you know, you're throwing around the football. You might bring your cornhole game and set that up and the music and and a different accoutrements that go with uh, camping out for three or four hours before a game. Uh, yeah, we do it well, just on a smaller scale. Okay. I'm so confused by these flying elbows on these tables right now. This seems like a terrible, 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 stupid idea. <laughs> Stupid. (laughs) Uh, Keep your bucket list stories coming for a chance to win. (laughs) Tickets for the Chicks. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder that we have tickets to give away to see the Chicks. September 12th, just announced yesterday. And we're asking you this morning, what is a bucket list item you have completed? Inspired by the fact that Bruce Springsteen is coming to Winnipeg. That's got to be a bucket list item for a lot of Manitobans. And Jeanette says, I will be completing one of the items on my bucket list in May when my husband and I will be going to Europe and we'll visit Scotland, England, and France. I've never been. I'm very excited. Jeanette, good for you. I'm envious because I've never been to Europe. That's certainly a bucket list item for me. I've never been anywhere, actually. Is there a country in Europe you'd like to get to first? Uh, <laughs> I don't know all of them. <laughs> like I can, I can. It's one of those things where I can't decide. If someone were to say, "I'm going to give you X number of dollars, pick sure. one country to go to," I'd love to visit Belgium. I'd love to visit mm-hmm. Switzerland. You, you know, you mm-hmm. went to Switzerland, Loren, and the pictures you sent were magical. Uh, there you are so many places. You just need like places. a kajillion dollars to do Switzerland <laughs> if you don't have a place to stay. I've yeah. never like it's unreal. Thank God there was family to stay with. Do they so, have? Get some family there. <laughs> Step one, find a family in Switzerland who will adopt you. Step two, go. <laughs> That's a good reason to do that 23andMe or whatever those uh, those those testing uh, websites are for your genealogy. And then you can reach out to these new found relatives. And I, I'm so dying to meet uh, people from my family. And you came up in this search on... <laughs> On uh, whatever those uh, websites are, uh, I'd like to meet you in person. So you gotta, you gotta find a way to play that. <laughs> okay, it's a great tip. Find a family, go. I love it. Uh, so keep. Those- I should have been a travel uh, agent, eh? What do you, where do you want to go? Do you know anyone there? You shouldn't go there then. But- <laughs> <laughs> Two, hey, you're just trying to save people money. It's, isn't that part of your job is to get the best deal? 204-780-6868, your bucket list How stories. Does Des Moines sound to you? How about Iowa? You know, I've always wanted to go to Iowa. You have really? wanted because you're, yeah. uh, was it the Cyclones or the, the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes that oh. you're a fan of? Yeah, I don't know why. I just thinking start small, you know, like Grand Forks and then work your way up. Or Nebraska, go see a Cornhuskers <laughs> football game with my dad. That would be fun. Or maybe on Bumble, just broaden the uh, geographical limitations and then just, you know, date people from all over the planet. 
Um, we also have Jets tickets to give away, by the way, later this hour for February 24th, Colorado Avalanche in town. We'll play some random Greg Jets trivia uh, just uh, after 8.50. We want to just quickly follow up here on a couple of important things we discussed yesterday. In our out-of-pocket inflation series yesterday, we heard from a single mom in Fisher River Cree Nation who says she has to, quote, basically live out of a can to eat out of a can to survive financially. You can read her story at cjob.com. We also told you about a new report that says more than one in five kids in Manitoba lives in poverty. That's the highest child poverty rate among all provinces, Greg. Yeah, and this new data comes from a 40-page report titled Poverty, the Pandemic, and the Province. It is It uses tax filer data and indic- includes stats from the pandemic when government supports like CERB produced a decline in child and family poverty rates. However, the increase Increase in cost of food and higher interest rates since then, more people are struggling. Josh Brandon in the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg says Manitoba lacks social supports to lift families and children out of poverty. Our report shows that those resources are there. We could do better. Other provinces, in fact, have done better than Manitoba, although no province has done well enough. We always talk about the cost of things, right? The costs of providing that support. But what about the costs on the opposite end? When people don't have uh, their their income in check, when they don't have enough money coming in, they make sacrifices. And that starts with food. That starts with your health. And so you're not eating properly. And on the back end, that might lead to all sorts of problems, diabetes or heart disease or other. And we know there's a rising cost to food. And that has leaders in many northern Manitoba communities where the prices are skyrocketing, looking for homegrown solutions. We get more from Global's Iris Dick. So this is our food bank order. This is something that would be distributed to one of our food banks out into the city. So we have cucumbers, onions, salad. Harvest Manitoba moves a million pounds of food every month to people in need across the province. But rural and remote communities won't get fresh veggies like these in their shipments. Heavier food like potatoes or things that we would be able to send or distribute through our normal food banks here in the city, we can't send up north. Megan Urbis with Harvest Manitoba says lighter packaged foods like powdered soup are prioritized to cut down on shipping costs. So a can of like juice mix would be an astronomical price. Accessing nutritious food can be a challenge in northern Manitoba, where even basic groceries can cost two to three times higher than down south. And even programs designed to help can't stretch dollars far enough to make up the difference. There are Nutrition North programs, there's programs that subsidize some of these items, but not all of them. It's a problem Chief Elwood Zastry of Wasquisipic First Nation knows well, one that he says affects the health of community members. You get a four-liter jug of milk, it costs us so much. Uh, people will turn to Pepsi or something cheaper. Zastry says many people from Wasquisipic shop around 60 kilometers away in Swan River, costing them even more in fuel. But he says taking advantage of local food production could be the answer to rising food costs in his community. We're looking for places where we could store our meat and our fish and, and uh, grow our own vegetables and all that because everything's going so high. Zastry says he's looking into getting a year-round greenhouse for the community. He says that, combined with local hunting and fishing, would bring nutritious food to residents, some of whom he says live off $270 a month. We look forward to, to working like that, which is a good way, and it's healthy for us. Giving better selection for better health. Iris Dick. Global News. So less than 24 hours after the province releasing this data and this report showing that Manitoba outside of Nunavut leads the nation in child poverty rates, the government of Manitoba just at 8 o'clock released their positive economic outlook for 23-24.
touting the fact that overall Manitoba's economy showed healthy growth in 2022, expanded by an estimated 3.6%, the minister noted, Minister Jeff Wharton in this case, ranking the province third highest in Canada and best among non-resource-based provinces. I hope that the province plans to continue to compare itself to other provinces on other files, not just one that paint the province in a positive way, Loren. In the meantime... They announced last month that checks were coming out to low-income Manitobans and those under a certain threshold. I have asked a couple times now, are the checks in the mail? I was told last week they'd be going out soon. I asked today, I was told they're going out in February. So to the finance people, it is February, halfway through February. Are those checks actually in the mail? I, I don't have any comment about whether they were necessary or not to send out, but people have been waiting for them, people who want them and need them. And they've been asking us, 780-6868, are they coming? So if you are the one printing those checks, let us know, because I'm not getting a clear answer. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We want to talk more about meetings and whether or not getting rid of them or at least decreasing them is a good thing for companies. But before that reminder, we've got tickets to give away for the chicks September 12th, they are coming to Canada Life Centre. We're asking you about your bucket list items. Bucket list items that you have completed. And this one's unique. This listener says, New York City to watch the Macy's Santa Claus Parade. Oh, cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. They say they they found my spot to watch by 6 a.m. And I was still in the second row of the crowd at 6 a.m. I was still in the second row. But fantastic time. Best day ever. An event I'll never forget. I always wonder with some of those things that you, you want to get to for years and you dream of them and plan of them and, and then if anyone ever finds that there's disappointment, you know, like does it feel smaller? Do those those does Snoopy look as large on the street and, <laughs> right? As he does on TV and, and all that kind of stuff. It's because like, there, it's like the when the ball drops. I have a feeling if I went and watched the ball drop eh. in New York, I'd be like, uh, eh, wow. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Being cramped with all those people for all those hours in order to have a decent peek at it. I don't know. I think it's sort of like Roadhouse and uh, everybody always says to Dalton, I thought you'd be bigger. It's like the, it's like the Alamo. If you've ever been, did you go to the Alamo when you were in San Antonio, Jeff Forte? Oh, Jeff's eating there. Uh, I've been to, went to the Alamo after exploring the Riverwalk in San Antonio uh, about fifteen years ago, and I was like, "That's it. It's pretty small." Yeah, there's not much to it. You went? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Been there twice. And not twice? Super, not super impressive. No. The yeah. Alamo. But, uh, you know, it's part of American lore, part of American history. So it gets built up in your head. But there are things, I think, that uh, supersede your expectations. Like the Grand Canyon for me this past summer. I had been completely prepared to be disappointed and it's like okay i've seen it on tv i've seen it in movies i've seen it in books and magazines is like oh it's actually more impressive than i thought so i was pleasantly surprised by that keep those bucket list items coming for a chance to win those tickets for the chicks we'll pick a winner at 9 15 and a reminder that we have winnipeg jets tickets to give away for february 24th versus the colorado avalanche that's a friday game we'll do some random greg jets trivia uh just after we run our paul edmonds commentary at around 8 53 we want to give you an update on the story that we shared with you a month ago, and we touched on this last half hour, last hour, pardon me, but uh, we've got some time to dig into this a bit more here. Matthew Boyle, 
of Bloomberg.com wrote about Shopify's plan to dramatically reduce the number of meetings within their organization, Greg. Yeah, so Shopify unveiled a plan to purge meetings from employees' calendars, resonated with many readers of Bloomberg who find themselves in wall-to-wall Zoom calls most most days with little time for focused work or catch-ups with colleagues. The e-commerce company said it would end all recurring meetings with more than two people, re-up a no-meeting Wednesday policy, and limit big, that's meetings with 50 or more people, meetings to one six-hour window on Thursdays, Loren. So we wanted to know how's this going, right? And that's what Bloomberg was trying to figure out in the in the article. How has this been going for Shopify? So they have a human resources chief. Their name is Tia Silas. And Tia says that they've deleted 12,000 calendar events. And over a year, that's more than 320,000 hours of meetings, 474,000 calendar entries. They found only three large meetings happened outside the allowable window. So it only happened three times that people went sort of beyond the rules. And, and she says 85% of our organization hasn't added any meetings back on Wednesday. So people are really protecting their time. And when you introduce a meeting that goes outside the parameters, you'll get a message that says you're going outside the rules we've tried to set out. So she says it's not like you can't have the meetings, but now you're, you're maybe putting more thought, conscious effort into do I need to hold this meeting. Uh, You can take the reservation, but can you hold the reservation? (laughs) (laughs) One other question which we were interested in the answer to, has it improved productivity at all? On that, uh, Silas says, we have anecdotal feedback and over time we'll be able to quantify it, but we're getting a lot of good feedback. What would you imagine someone is going to say when you give them time back? It's like, thank you. So this fits right into something, Brett McGarry, you have been saying since the day I met you. <laughs> I hate meetings. Yes. Yeah. And you've questioned so often the validity, the, the how badly is this meeting needed? What are we getting out of it? Yep. I, I've told this before, but I'll just quickly recap it. I was in a meeting uh, back when I was Charles Adler's technical producer, and the boss wanted to speak to us after the show. And he had a valid thing that he needed addressed. And we said, okay, very good. And that took all of two minutes. And then I sat there for almost an hour watching them just shoot the breeze. And then I got annoyed. And the boss got annoyed with me and says, Brett, you look annoyed. What's up? And I said, well... I mean, I got work to do, and I'm just sitting here watching the two of you guys chat. Like, this is not a, pro- a productive use of my time, and I've got stuff to do tonight, so now that's I'm going to be delayed in that. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes it's, that's, it's that component of the meeting. It's not the meeting itself. I don't hate meetings in principle. It's the time that gets wasted in so many meetings that bothers me. And, uh, I, had, and I have no – I completely lack the ability to hide my irritation. So I, I guess I kind of like the virtual meeting in the sense that I can just turn my camera off when I'm getting annoyed. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, I, I love you, but you're not able to. I can tell right away that Brett needs to get out of this room, or he's going to throw this notepad across me, or, or the pen I stole from him is going to come back at me. Uh, but, but that's like I get it. I, I like meetings for the most part because I do find I hear ideas and I feel like they energize me. But I, I appreciate the idea that there are some people in some work environments that are doing wall to wall meetings and they never feel like they're doing it does it while the meetings themselves are the work. It can be hard to then quantify. Did I get any work done today? And on the flip side, I, I don't know what the other way is to do this. This has been brought up before, too. Like you cannot have a meeting and you can put something in an email. But then does everybody read the email? 
Yeah. And we know that's not true, too. And we've gone out of our way as companies over the years, ours included, to adopt new communication tools. Like, for example, we use Teams, but not everybody adopts the technology. And there was one article written about Shopify where the quote was, employees who resist getting up to speed on workplace technologies like Teams are making life hell for their colleagues. So on the opposite end, your boss might be saying, okay, fine, we'll do less meetings. I'll post that in Teams or I'll send you an email. But if not everybody is using it the same way, then it's also super frustrating. I, every morning, will put out something about something that's in our show that I want to let everybody know about that we might want to follow up on. And because I know everybody reacts a different way to different technologies, I will send that message in Teams, in an email, in a text, and maybe (laughs) our group chat. That is a huge waste of my time. Well, first of all, I want to apologize. Yeah, basically where I was going with this. Get on teams, Greg! (laughs) Well, you know, we've had in my short time as a full-time host on this radio station over the last six years plus, we've had no less than four different communication tools that have come and gone. And at each turn, I've looked at Brett in particular and said, this is not going to work. Not because I don't appreciate technology, but because of what's being asked. You know, this is a day and time where information is supposed to flow to us. And so often we're being asked to go and look for information that applies to us. And I know that that's not exclusive to our work environment. And I just can't understand how we can go on something like Twitter and find out everything that's going on in the world in about three minutes, whereas in my own organization, it takes me 10, 15, 20 minutes to, to, to find a story that we've written and created ourselves for broadcast, whether it be on television, on radio, or on the internet. And I'm not trying to air dirty laundry <laughs> internally here on the air, but I know I've worked in other organizations that, as well over the time where... You know, I sent you that message or I, I sent it via this or whatever. Well, why didn't you why didn't you just send it this way? Because, you know, I would have got it this way. Why, why do we keep trying to reinvent the wheel? But, th- but then why? do So now you're asking a company or a boss. It's like it's like having four kids and having to teach four kids four different ways. One learns by doing one learns by reading one learns by presentations. One learns with over time. And I understand that as a parent, that that's how you will you help teach, say, the children. But now you've got a company of 500 and I have to know so and so. Mike likes to get emails and Greg likes to use teams and Brett likes to use WhatsApp, and I have to individually send all those no, things no. that way? That's I guess exhausting. My point, no, no, I, I understand that. So it's up to me to adapt. But inevitably, it turns out that those communication tools were not the be-all, end-all. At the After all the effort to try and get people to convert to this technology, it ends up falling flat. And there, there's just there's no perfect tool, as hard as we try. And one more thought on that. One of the reasons, and see, the thing with, with something like Microsoft Teams, I know how to navigate it. I know how to, to find the information. And, but I have to, have to disable virtually all notifications on it. Otherwise, my phone will be going off constantly. And some people, I, like Loren, is all on top. Every, anytime I think I've, I've found something before Loren. Yeah. She's got it already because yeah. she's got a notification for it. And I commend you for that, Loren. I just can't do it because I'm already such a bundle of anxiety and nerves that yeah. a phone constantly going off. It just yeah, I'd be anxious all day and would never uh, be I, able to relax. I never have my phone on, though. I have it on silent. And then those alerts just come to my screen. No, but you're still seeing it on your you're still seeing it, though. 
but I don't have to, I don't look at it all the time. I like, I might go for a two hour nap or go for a walk or go clean the house and have the phone somewhere else completely. Yeah. And I have it completely on silent. And then I just check it. Like, I'm just saying it's not dinging and causing me anxiety because anyway, this is now just who cares at home about my dinging. (laughs) Yeah. No, I have my phone on silent too. I I can just see it. If if I can see that Microsoft Teams notification on my phone while I'm trying to relax. Yeah. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got a question to ask you about the province and how they monitor highway conditions. We've got a reminder on how to get Chicks tickets, the Chicks, coming to Winnipeg September 12th. But we also gave away some tickets for the Winnipeg Jets versus the Colorado Avalanche on Friday, February 24th. First of all, who won those tickets, producer Jeff Fortier? Rick Garropy. Rick Garropy. What did Rick Garropy get correct in today's edition of Random Jets Greg Trivia. Well, we used February 24th, the date of the game that we're giving away tickets to as the springboard to ask the questions about the United question about the United States Miracle on Ice team. The fact that they did that on February 24th, 1980, and I asked the question, which future Winnipeg Jets captain was a member of Team USA, the Miracle on Ice team? And the answer is Dave Christian. Congratulations. Enjoy that game on the 24th. We've got more tickets to give away this week. And to win tickets for the Chicks, we're asking you about your bucket list items that you have completed. And this one just made me chuckle because it's kind of kind of mean. This listener says, at the Vancouver Olympics in 2010, I pretended to run away with a stranger's expensive camera after being asked to take a picture of a couple. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> they just always wanted to spook somebody. Hey, can I take can you take our picture? Sure. <laughs> I was at that those games, and uh, we bought tickets on the street for one of the Canada matches. I'm, I think they were playing Switzerland. We had already seen them play Germany, and we, we went to see them play Switzerland. As you can imagine, I cannot recall, but we paid way too much money for these tickets. And I remember saying to the guy, like, you better not be a scammer because I will find you. And he just <laughs> looks at me, and I was like, like what's she going to do about it? And then... You know, you're stressed the whole way to the rink. I was like, I swear these tickets aren't real. I am finding that man. Like, I was, oh, yeah, the scammer. But isn't that the big point coming out of your story, Loren, is here we are. It's it's 12, 13 years later. Yeah. And you don't remember how much you paid for those tickets. But I bet no, you it, remember the experience and everything that went down. We overthink so often about for, how much it's going to cost. Sure. And how much, you know, what we're not going to be able to do if we do, you know, create this experience for ourselves or ourselves and our kids. And yeah, I guarantee you there are far too many times when you don't even remember what it is that you sacrificed in order to make that happen. I got to see the biathlon as well, you know, when they cross country ski and shoot. And man, was I into it. I had no clue what was going on, but I'm like, hit that target! Get going, Norway! Like, I was in it. Like, it's a great event. That's a bucket list for sure, hitting the Olympics. 204-780-6868. Last chance. We're going to pick a winner in our next segment. CJOB.com is where you'll find the question of the day. You'll also find it on Twitter at 680CJOB. The province of Manitoba recently launched a revamped version of their online 511 service on road conditions and closures. What do you think? Your options are much better, needs to be updated more often, even worse, or I never use it. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. And we're asking this question because, Loren, this morning was a, it was a bit of a roller coaster in terms of, you know, what, what we were expecting perhaps a crazy morning for school cancellations, and then suddenly it was just, everything's open. 
Right. And I get that weather happens at all times a day, different times a day, and you have to be patient with it sometimes. But I'm speaking to someone who lives outside the city, as thousands of us do, but we commute into the city or to other cities. You might live outside Steinbach or Portage, but, you, but you're on a highway every single day to get to and from work or to get your kids to and from schools. And I'm genuinely curious at how many people do more of the instinct thing. You know, I'm going to go. It looks good to me. I'm going. Or do they rely on that 511 to tell them if they should be on the roads or not? And so if you woke up, as I did, in the middle of the night and checked that map, you would have thought, I can't go in today. Those roads are closed. As, as I said to you guys, I preemptively decided that last night at 9 when the roads were closed because I thought, I want to go to bed and not have to stress about my drive-in. But people go to 511 for that information. And if you're up between 5 and 6, you're thinking, well, I can't take 75. I can't take 1. Uh, from 12 to the city, uh, there's a whole host of roads, you know, 23, 205, 311, all these sorts of roads were closed. And so you were probably making decisions around six o'clock to maybe stay home and or thinking schools might be canceled, even though you were looking outside and thinking it looks much better today than it did yesterday. And so we're curious, Greg, and we're going to ask questions to the province just in terms of what is the process for updating that app? How many people are actually working at five in the morning, assessing the roads and then feeding that bit? information back to 511 and then how many people are working uh throughout the day at 511 to make sure that it's getting updated as quickly as possible because it's about time for people it's about their time and the value that they put into that before they make those decisions to hit the road and you've referenced in the past how other jurisdictions do this better i'm not i'm not sitting here to knock what we're doing i'm asking the question what else can be done so that we're making the best possible decisions in, a, in in what sometimes feels like a life or death, right? Well, and that's the question I have for the province. How critical do they view this information? Is this passive information? Is this information that is supposed to be used in conjunction with other information which is available? And if so, what is that supplemental information? Where do I find it, please? And if it is... You know, essential information. Are we making the appropriate investments in terms of equipment, whether it be cameras or personnel, in order to have people out there at the times of the day when we need that information? So as you say, Loren, I can make a proper decision about, it might not be my 15-minute commute from just outside the city. It might be a four or five-hour a commitment for a meeting to head to Thompson from Winnipeg or conversely to come down to southern Manitoba and it's early in the morning and it's dark and I don't want to be trapped on the highway somewhere. I want to make a decision which makes sense. It doesn't put me in jeopardy. So I think there are a lot of questions in my mind about how essential do Manitobans see 511 service and that information? How essential does the province see it and are the two meshing up? It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you about the bucket list items that you have achieved, that you've completed. And we are, out of all of the amazing stories we have received this morning, we have the impossible task of picking one for a chance to win those Chicks tickets for September 12th when the Chicks come to Canada Life Centre. So, we have, a, as usual, we do a couple of runners-up, and then we name our winner. Greg, start us off with Donna, one of our runners-up. I have so many adventurous things on my bucket list, and ultimately I would like to fulfill them by going on Amazing Race Canada with my husband. I'm so serious about this that every now and then, 
when I think about it, I dust off my treadmill and start running to get in, quote unquote, amazing race shape. (laughs) Then I remember how much I hate running and think about how we can beat others with brains over brawn and exchange the running for Sudoku puzzles. I love this one. I have actually in years past gone to the boss and asked if I could apply for Amazing Race because they're on a competitor's channel. Like I was that serious about (laughs) it. Wow. Like is there a problem if I do this? And I've run the list of would it be my sister, would it be my husband? Uh, One summer I had a night of great chat with my friend's mother-in-law and we made a plan at 3 a.m. to apply. Like I'm in this one. I like it donna what was the answer i think the answer was no that it wouldn't look good ah uh, well let the other station decide if they want to have you on <laughs> force them and then, to make and then, the, decision. then it's the whole thought of like should i quit this job like to get on the amazing race <laughs> 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 kind of like uh price is right is also a bucket list item like who doesn't want to come on down yeah the next contestant right yeah, I've had, uh, I think one of my buddies, yeah, he did. He was on The Price is Right. He was in the, the studio audience a couple of times, yes. I think, actually. He didn't, get, he didn't get called, but he was there, and he said it was amazing. Roberta says, it has always been on my bucket list to skydive. My children gave me a certificate to do so for my 70th birthday three years ago. Because of COVID, it was postponed for a year. The day came, I was jumping with another person belted to me, the tandem jump. And uh, the view was just fabulous. Everything went well. Until we were about 20 feet off the ground and the wind caught the parachute and it slammed us down. So I knew when I hit the ground there was something wrong with my back. I was taken by ambulance and a CT scan was done. I had a compression fracture in a thoracic vertebrae and recovery took almost two months. But I would jump again if I wasn't 72. That's awesome. God, uh, but also, I mean, t- it's terrible. And terribly, but I love her. I love her spirit that she would go, you could do it again. 72 is young. Mackling. 72 is young. I was watching a documentary on Joe Montana the other day, and one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL in New Zealand with his family and how horrified he was to do a bungee jump. Oh, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah, and finally they just goaded him into it. It's like, oh, come on, Dad. Seriously, we've come all this way, and he... Held his breath and jumped. I couldn't do that. Not probably. I don't know if I could do it for a million bucks even. Could you skydive? I don't think so. No? I think bungee jumping scarier than skydiving. Yeah. Yeah, the idea. And I don't know why. For me, it's the idea that the cord could, the, what if the cord snaps? Then you just plummet to your doom. Whereas in a skydive, you've got one parachute. And if it fails, you've got a backup parachute. Like things need to go really wrong well and then superman like could come in <laughs> of course if, 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 the, if the second one fails right <laughs> our winner though loren is ellen what does ellen have for us i just cannot get over these great texts we've received from people so thank you all ellen says i have many items on my bucket list but one of the ones i made when i was young girl growing up 400 kilometers north of winnipeg where there are no highways is i used to sit with my grandmother in church I remember looking at a plaque above where she used to sit that had names of two young men who had died in northern France in the war and were buried over there. One of them was her 20-year-old son, who had left when he was 17. She told me stories about him, and she often wished he could have been buried at home as she wanted to see his grave. I promised her many times that I would go and visit his grave. I have been back three times to visit my Uncle Matthew's grave to fill my promise to my kokum, my grandmother. Alan, thank you. Thank you for doing that and going there. 
That must have meant a lot to the grandma. That's just lovely. Thank you so much, Ellen. And thank you, everybody, for your stories. There's so many, so many good ones. I, this was uh, maybe the most impossible choice we've had to make in this contest, which is a, a prison of our own doing. <laughs> we put ourselves in this jail, and we're like, oh, we can only give up one, one pair of tickets a day. So there you go. You're going to see the chicks. September 12th, Canada Life Centre. Thanks to all for participating. We are really excited about our next guest, whom many of you might know because of her voice. Yeah, you might know a voice on the radio. You might have heard it over the years. And of course, uh, I've always been a big fan of our next guest because uh, she's a three-time Juno Award winner. In fact, she was the first in Nook to win the Junos. There's three on her shelves for singing and songwriting, but she's also put that writing talent to paper to write a series of children's books. And there's a new one that's coming out now called Una Huna. What is this? We say good morning to Susan Glukark. Hi, Susan. Hi, how are you? I'm so thrilled to be speaking with you because like I said, I've been a fan of your music, but I actually didn't know that you were also writing in this capacity. So I'm curious if you have found similarities, first of all, between writing a song and writing a children's book. Um, similarities in terms of uh, discovery. So uh, as a singer-songwriter, um, and of course as an Indigenous artist and Inuk from, uh, from Inuit Nunangat, um, the more I wrote songs, the more I explored where a song should go, uh, the more I discovered some beautiful uh, pieces of our Inuit history, uh, and of course, those become songs. But then, you know, you sit down with the great aunts and the great uncles and your parents and you listen to their stories and you realize there's more here than just songs. And so those became uh, story ideas, which have become uh, a big story, the children's series, children's book series. Susan, talk about uh, the power of the story, how stories have been such a huge part of Indigenous cultures for thousands of years. Well, stories are how uh, we were taught uh, initially. So in the traditional days among the Inuit, uh, we call them pisit, which is um, the, the story through song, through through melody. Uh, and so what would happen is a community or a camp would, would gather to talk about, um, for example, a hunting trip uh, or a trek between one camp to another or a family story. Uh, all of that was shared in a gathering and storytelling and singing. Uh, and there were lessons in those stories, and the lessons weren't just in the words themselves, but also I remember my uncle Aliyah uh, sharing um, a childhood memory. This is 30 years ago. And the way that he took control of the space uh, in the language uh, as an elder, in the way that elders create this listening space, um, you know, you feel the difference in the way the Indigenous elders would tell their stories and set it up. And my uncle Aliak did this. And that became the song Shamaya, which is on the album This Child. So the ways that we uh, we create these spaces are just as important as, as the stories we tell. So the book, Una Huna, what is this? Tell us about it. <laughs> so Una Huna uh, is uh, a very, the dialect is very specific to Akviet, where I'm from. Uh, and it just simply is a series. It's a six-part series, and it's six stories uh, of Ukbik's discoveries uh, in that transitional period, so the time between the traditional Inuit ways and when explorers uh, and, and traders started to, to be more 
uh, prevalent or appear more regularly among the Inuit when we knew we could anticipate the next visit every year. Uh, and then the things that they shared and the things that we had to discover through our lens, which was not yet the contemporary Inuit lens. So these are uh, good moments, funny moments, great lessons of transition uh, between those Inuit and, and the transition days before permanent settlements. I'm wondering, you know, for you, Susan, when you were growing up, did you have access to any books like this? Oh, for sure. I I was a library rat. Um, we had uh, <laughs> libraries in all schools, and uh, we had this one big library in Rankin Inlet where we lived for a time. And I would go in there, and I loved picture books because I, I mm-hmm. in, we didn't get much television, so you could only imagine what these pictures were being created from. Like I never heard of elephants or seen elephants or lions mm-hmm. on television because we didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see it in a book, and you go, what the heck is this? And, you know, so books had this, this powerful effect of creating imagination. Absolutely. I loved reading. But I'm curious, and I'm, this is my fault. I, I should have asked that question better. The, the, the power of the book has been with you for a young age. I'm curious about seeing oneself represented in the books or your culture represented in children's books or the animals. No, uh, you, no you know, not, like, not as, you're right. Not as a child. We didn't mm-hmm. have any. We didn't have those stories or access to those stories or picture books um, uh, by us for us. I'm uh, I'm along with Loren, a huge fan of yours, Susan, and your music is so beautiful. But these stories are, are so beautiful as well. And, and and these types of stories, these lessons, one of my boys always asked me, Dad, why do your stories have a lesson attached to them every single time? Well, because there's lessons in just about everything if we're prepared uh, to embrace them. So just uh, if you wouldn't mind, just, just talk and expand a little bit more uh, uh, about the value of of those lessons cross-culturally? Yeah, so uh, Ukpik's perspective, seeing that period through Ukpik's lens is as much for us Inuit readers as it is for the non-Inuit readers because what we forget, even we forget, is that during those transition periods, um, our ancestors were also um, going through some some anxiety around uh, loss, around change and loss, and how does that affect us intergenerationally. So those are important lessons. And in, in the conversation between Ukbik and her grandmother, for example, is, is a very important piece there for my son, for my grandchildren, even for my mother in our conversations. It must have felt this way for you. And when we share these pieces um, even that generation, my mom's generation goes, actually, yeah, it did. So it, it gives us permission to access emotions um, that we had otherwise allowed to go stagnant and we don't work through them. And so these, these lessons allow both sides to kind of sit back and go, oh, we would never have thought of that uh, again, which is back to that statement for us by us is very important in these stories. You're a busy, creative person, Susan. You released your 10th album recently, uh, and now you've got this book. Were you working on these things at the same time? Uh, often it happens that way. So if you're, if you're you know, uh, listening to a piece of music or you're writing something and another thread goes on, so you write these other thread notes and then you come back and look at them. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about this, so let's see what we do with that. But absolutely, if there's one idea percolating, it sets off another idea. I've always wondered with singers and songwriters and authors, is there a, a running stream of voices or a story always playing out in your head? 
Yeah, we don't get much sleep. <laughs> I want you know because you're 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 constantly um it's not dreaming. It's the it's real and you want to bring that that thought to life. And so I just wonder what that's like. Are you you're walking around maybe doing chores, hanging out with your family and something just pops up in your head and you think there it is, that's the hook for this yeah, next absolutely. line or the song? I mean, yeah. Yeah, we have notes and papers and pens all over the house because, wait, I got to write this down. Like, we were just in North Bay last week for a concert for my drummer, and we sat down to dinner, and on the way from the car to the restaurant, a note popped up, so I took out a napkin and wrote it down quickly and stuffed it in my purse. You write everything when you can, just because that that might become something. Oh, it would be awful if we ever lived together, Susan, because I throw out all pieces of paper, everything that's a paper. I hope my husband's not listening. I don't want him to make up an excuse that that was his next big song that he was writing on a receipt <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I've become that lady, my poor husband. I've become that lady where my office is, I, don't throw it away. Don't touch my office. Don't move anything around. Everything is where it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I lived with somebody like that once and accidentally threw wrote a couple of paychecks that were just lying around so Uh-oh. i can i can i can uh, i can imagine living with either one of you susan uh, uh, forgive me if this is a silly question but i'm curious your last name does, does it have does that word a glucark does it have a a, a meaning it, there's two possible possible meanings uh they, the pronunciation in inuktitut is aglukak uh and so aglu uh, is the seal hole um, so uh, the first part, first four letters spell in Inuktitut, the seal hole. So when the seal comes up to take a breath, this is the seal hole that it will come up and take a breath through. But aglukak is also takes big steps. Wow. Yeah, so it could mean a couple of different things. Sort of profound, that that, that second one. Do you embrace right. one over the other? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the second one makes sense now, uh, but the first one also, it's a very powerful, and Inukitut is a very, very efficient language, and so I, I love discovering meanings behind those words, so that one is quite beautiful, too. In this stage of your career, do you ever feel like if there's something that you want to do, but you, in order to do it, you, got, you have to push yourself to take a, a big step, or have you sort of conquered all the, the mountains that you were looking to conquer? Oh, no, I think for the rest of my life, and this is, I think, a wonderful place to be as an artist, is you embrace vulnerability, because every time, uh, you know, an idea, I've been doing mixed media painting, for example, and I never thought I would have the courage to share them. Uh, And then you realize, but why create if you're not going to share it? And so you you just find a little bit of extra courage somewhere when, when when you're a creator and you've got stuff that you're creating, uh, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to release it, uh, and so you have to find the courage to do that and, and then make more space to keep creating. So it's just this beautiful place I find a lot of us artists find ourselves in. Susan Aglukark joining us live on 680 CJOB. Again, the name of the book is Unahuna, What Is This? Thank you so much for joining us during this I Love to Read month. We appreciate it. Thank you. And actually, if I may, I'm playing at the Festival de Voyageur next week. So we will be in Winnipeg for a full band concert. What oh, day? boy. Yes. What Sorry, day, what Susan? day, Susan? Um, I believe it's <laughs> Now we've put you on the spot. Monday. <laughs> yeah, I don't have, I'm not at my calendar. I think it's Monday, but it is the Festival de Voyageur on their website. All right, Susan, thank you so much for joining us to talk about the book. And once again, Festival de Voyageur. Susan will be there performing.